0: story podcast that's where we sit down and we speak with different people and learn more to their story
1: okay well that was fun talking to Chelsea Uh you know the bummer was I got right off the of staff and then a about a year later she got on to staff. So I've heard really great things about her from my staff friends and the same thing my kids were getting out of youth and then she was coming in as our youth director. So I've only heard, you know, hearsay stories. So today I really enjoyed listening to her stories and listening to who she is. And I I've loved when she's preached a couple of times at the church. So hearing her preach and then kind of knowing her through my friends has been one thing. But today, boy, that was a great story.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I've gotten to know her a little bit just because my boys are in youth and Pam's helping a little bit now. I liked the story where she kind of just kind of stumbled into her call. I, I felt like there was a lot of honesty there and I felt like there was just, it, it kind of helps me appreciate where she's at today.
1: She really has a lot of energy, too. You can just see how she thrives on her call, and she wants to engage everybody she's around, and it's a lot of fun to see her do that.
0: Absolutely. Pull up a chair and listen in. Today we are in Chelsea Ham's kitchen doing our first remote podcast with Pastor Chelsea Ham. Welcome. Thank
2: you. Excited to be here.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. We got some information from you. We also got some from your husband Paul and from your best friend Casey. Let's just get started. Kind of walk us through where you're from. You know what childhood was like. Sure. And all that.
2: Well, I'm from Redondo Beach, California, which is a little bit west of downtown LA, and uh, grew up in a pastor's house. And I'm one of those rare unicorn pastor's kids who really loved it. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, I just spent all my time at church. I mean, one of my earliest memories is being, I think I must be four and I've got my Barbies and my dad is doing their wedding at our church (laughs) and I'm walking them down the aisle and he, my dad was always up for fun and play and he's like in full robe like at the end <laughs> oh, my and you know does the whole shebang and uh, and so for me like church so felt homey it felt you know like the place where uh where you go to be comfortable um were right. so you
0: an only child or do you have some I problems? have a
2: younger brother um I have a younger brother who's two years younger than I am his name's Tyler and we're the only two biological children, but my parents had this, uh, they had this kind of motto that, you know, God blessed them to bless others. And so we usually had, uh, an empty room in the houses that I grew up in and it was constantly filled with somebody, um, whether it was one of the youth group kids at church or an intern that needed a place to stay or, and so there were like, it's just me and my brother, but there were time periods where we had people living with us. Like for a longer chunk, and so I have a couple of I call them my brothers, um, because you know they stayed with us for a couple of years or something like that, and we bonded. So, I, I, it's just me and my brother, but there's the family is extended. Right, so were ah, they mainly
0: kids or was yeah, it a girl? mostly
2: kids, mostly kids. I think when I was, I think it started when I was before I was born. Um, that one of the interns of my dad's church was. In transition or couldn't afford the dorm or something and so he stayed with them and then when I was one they had an adult living with them Mike Um, I think he was like in his early 20s mid 20s something like that Um, but then once my brother and I came along it was always it was
0: always kids so your dad was a senior pastor in a Presbyterian church
1: When I was born, yes. Okay. And so your dad is our Pastor Paul's brother. Yes. Yes. His older brother. Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So my dad, my dad's had every job in a church that you could imagine. And before I was born, he was working as a college pastor, I think. Um, And then at at some point, at some point, right after I was born, he became an associate. And then, I mean, I only ever remember him being a senior pastor. Sure.
1: So you grew up in the same home all your childhood? Yes. Yeah. So I
2: was in the same, we were in the same house from five years old to, I mean, they just moved out of it like a year ago. Wow. (laughs) So yeah. So my, most of my life in the same place.
1: Okay. And did you go to
2: public school or private school? Public school. Yes. Public school all the way through. Okay. And your high school, was it small, big? It was big. It was real big. Um, my high school, my graduating class was, I want to say like 900 and something people.
1: Oh, that is big.
2: Yeah. It was a big school. And actually the campus itself is two, three blocks. I mean, it's like a small junior college size campus. Um, so elementary school was small. And then middle school got a little bigger and then they dumped us into, to the local high school. And that high school there was I think six middle schools that fed were feeding into it. So it was a big, big campus. And that's where I met Casey.
1: Oh, your best friend that we yes. will bring up earlier yes. or
2: a little bit later. So
0: what were you involved in um, through middle school and high school? What were your activities? Right. What were your interests?
2: Yeah. Um, Well, I was playing soccer a little bit, um, although I hated it, so I don't know if we can count it as an interest, but (laughs) (laughs) but my parents were firm believers in organized sports, Um, and uh, I loved to read. I was constantly sneaking off with a book or getting in trouble for reading past my bedtime. Um, I liked to write. I liked to go to the movies. Um, I really loved stories. I really just was very into stories, and so... Even my my friends would tease me because, like, I loved to visit my grandma's retirement home and, like, oh. ask all of – like, I'd be like, Grandma, let's go have lunch at the cafeteria. And then I'd ask all of her friends, tell me about being old. I mean, right. I, hopefully I said right. it a little better than that. But oh,
1: that's <laughs> Yeah, great.
2: so I, I really – those were kind of some of the things I was into. I honestly mostly was a pretty simple kid. I didn't have – you know, I work with students now, and they are so – they have a million activities, but I just mostly had a childhood. I just would go in the backyard and play pretend. And, you know, I had, I had homework and school and things like that, but I didn't have a ton of organized extracurriculars.
1: Sure. So you were a storyteller all the way back to when you were four years old with Barbie and Ken yes. walking down the <laughs> aisle, getting married, telling their stories. Yes. Oh, yes. That's yeah. great. I was always making
2: up I had this very vivid imagination, which I, I firmly attribute to my mother. Like she, she was always doing things to foster that with us. Like the tooth fairy, um, she would, she would say every time we lost a tooth, she'd say, Oh, let's try to catch the tooth fairy. And she'd put a little ink pad like on our windowsill. And then, you know, we'd go to sleep and the next morning there'd be fairy prints and like fairy dust, which was like her pinky fingers she'd use to make footprints and then she'd sprinkle like glitter or something so she loved it when we could
0: so she's gonna be all into elf on the shelf here that's
2: what i was exactly <laughs> well, we had a conversation Chelsea and i had a conversation about this
0: right before christmas nathaniel is i don't know owl, 10 months old 10 months old and mm-hmm. so the elf on the shelf is pretty close and there were plenty of parents and 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 youth and so the stories started coming out and I I don't I'm not a I didn't grow up with Elf on the Shelf. We had it at our house for our kids, and I think you said that you don't want to do it. Yeah, I don't want
2: to. I don't want to get stuck in. It's like what you said. I don't mind doing it, but. My mom has always said, be careful what traditions you start with your kids. Right. Because you have to do them forever. Yes. And I don't know if I really feel up to Elf on the shelf. No. And the beauty of the
1: tooth fairy is you lose a tooth every like nine months. Yes. Elf on the shelf is like every day for what, 25 days? No, thank yes. you. Yes. And eventually your grown-up teeth come in and you're not playing tooth fairy anymore. Well,
0: at the end, I mean, Greg still has two uh, baby That's teeth. He's 11. So, I mean, you get to a certain point and it's like, all right. You know. Yes.
2: Yeah. But she does love that kind of stuff. And like when we found out I was pregnant with Nathaniel, she'd send me like Pinterest pins of like, like grandma uses dinosaur figurines to make kids. I mean, yes, she's that kind of. So is mom. Nathaniel
0: the only grandchild on. Or, or does your brother have any kids?
2: My brother has. Actually, my brother and sister in law have a son that's three months older. Is that right? Two months older than Nathaniel. Oh, wow. And they're the only two. And then on my husband's side of the family, Nathaniel's the only one.
1: Oh, and is yeah. your is it a niece or a nephew aunt, with your brother's side? A nephew, yeah. Okay, so two little boys. Two little
2: boys, yeah. They're, yeah, He was born in December, and Nathaniel was born in March.
1: Wonderful. Yeah. So back to your storytelling. In high yeah. school, were you... Uh, so generally, you'd like to talk, tell stories of fiction or, or when you're reading. Are you reading fiction? Are you reading historical? Or? Whatever
2: I can get my hands on. I mean, I'm even... I mean, even if you went upstairs and looked at all of our books, I've got everything from young adult, you know, novels to biographies to, yeah. I mean, I just, I just soaked in all different kinds
1: of stories. I loved it all. And that brings us to when you went to college, you were thinking of majoring in English. Is that right? I did. Yes. I ended up majoring in English. Mm -hmm. And what was your hopes when you were thinking uh, English in college? Well,
2: I love Carmel and you give me so much credit that I had thoughts about it. (laughs) I mostly, I had a teacher in high school say, it doesn't matter what you major in, pick something you like, and then study it for four years and then figure out what you're going to do. And so I loved to read. I loved to write. English was always a subject I was really good at. And so that's what I majored in. So I had, it really genuinely didn't hit me until like six months before graduation. I went, oh, I should figure out what I'm going to do with this because I'm graduating soon. So, so you're like, I just spent
1: three and a half years loving what yes. I studied, <laughs> but now what? Yes, exactly. Oh yeah. my goodness. So what? What was then?
2: Uh, teaching. So I, you know, like I think I think most English majors fall into two categories. They either decide they want to be a writer or they decide they're going to teach. And so I graduated college. I went to college in Seattle. I graduated and moved back home. Uh, to LA and started a teaching credential program and was convinced I was going to be a high school English teacher.
0: Where did you go to college?
2: A Seattle Pacific University. Never heard of it. It's a, it's a small Christian college. It's an excellent school. Um, I loved it and it was very expensive (laughs) (laughs) because that's when you haven't heard of a school, it usually means it was expensive and, uh, it was, yeah, it was great. It was, I did it, it. I took a little bit of an off track Course. I Right after high school, I took a year off and worked with a missions organization. That's right. And lived in uh, South Africa for a little while. And then came home and did two years of junior college. And then a year and a half of junior college. And then I went to college. So I started... I started my undergraduate degree properly as a 22 year old.
1: Okay, so let's back up for a second. So tell us more about when you went to South Africa. How did you hear about that program? Right. What did your family think? I mean, because you're only 18 years old. Yes. Okay, so tell us a little bit about that. Yes. Um,
2: so my church growing up had different missions programs um, for the students. And when I was a junior in high school, they had this, they decided they were going to do the, this first big international mission trip they'd they'd done some things like going to Mexico and stuff but this is the first time they were doing a big big trip and so uh, I went to Cairo Egypt uh, for two and a half weeks we worked with the organization Youth with a Mission and so while we were there because um, evangelism is against the law there oh. so it turned out the I mean the short story is that we hadn't done enough research about whether this was a great trip for high school students to go on oh my and we were actually the test subjects like they'd never sent a group of high schoolers to cairo before on a, on a short-term mission trip and so there was a lot of downtime because oh. there was only so much actual missions things that we could do so i ended up talking with the ywam youth with a mission uh leaders that were hosting us. And they told me about this program called a Discipleship Training School or a DTS, which is basically, you know, can be six months
1: to a year, sort of depends on what you, what program you end up going with. And is that a volunteer program or a small stipend paid organ? Volunteer. Okay, Yeah. It's a
2: volunteer program. And you, you take the first chunk of So I did a six month one. So I took the first three months and they train you and you do a lot of it's essentially like youth group with the volume turned up. So you do um, like there's a series where you learn about the father heart of God and there's a series where you learn about, um, you know, who you are in Christ and what God thinks about you. And it's a lot of Bible study. It's a lot of self. Reflection and bonding with your team. And this is while you're in South Africa?
1: Um, or is this still this, while you're in Egypt?
2: This was when I was in... This was when I was in L.A. So this was... Oh. So they were telling me about... Well, basically what they were saying is you can do this
0: anywhere in the world. Okay, so you go on the Cairo-Egypt ship. You yes. have a conversation. You come back. You go yes. to school. Yes. Your mind still thinking about this. But you're and in high school. school. Yep. Yes. When you're in high school, yes. school. Youth with a mission. Yes. And then you decide, I think I want to do this. Yes. Okay, so what's from that point you have right. a conversation with your parents?
2: Yes. How so, did that go? Not well. Surprising. I was surprised not well. Because my dad's a pastor. I thought he'd love it. Um, but he had he had real concerns about A, safety, and what would this really look like? And then, really, I think the underlying concern for both him and my mom was, is this just an elaborate way of telling us you don't want to go to school? Is
1: (laughs) this a gap here on steroids? (laughs) Yes.
0: yes. Is this our way of you just walking out in the sunset? Yes,
1: yes. Does this mean you're not moving out? (laughs)
2: Well, and (laughs) true. And my dad uh, had worked with this organization before and knew it is very frequent that recent high school graduates join this program, and then they stay in Y1 for the rest of their lives. Right. And it's not... pay. no one ever gets paid at Youth of the Mission. They have to raise their funds for the rest of their
0: lives. Um, So he's sitting here thinking about the check. He's going to write every month to you.
1: exactly. And that was before he was thinking about writing the check to Seattle. Yes, exactly. I know. You should
2: be careful what you wish for. (laughs) Right?
1: Um, Real quick, did you attend? I'm assuming the answer is yes. You attended. You grew up in the church your dad was pastor at. Yes. So when you went to Egypt and all that with the youth program, he was pastor. Yes. Okay. Yes
0: you have the conversation you get past the conversation you decide you're gonna do this you do three months of training in la yes. is youth I I, I don't know what you're calling it. Y- 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 wham? W- yeah, w- but Youth with is, y- is, is fine. Is that based in LA?
2: They have bases all, literally all over the world. Pick a okay. spot on the map. But that's just the one I chose to go with.
0: And so three months in LA, you're mm-hmm. living at home, you're doing all this.
2: No, you live on the base. Okay. So it was, so I lived in Redondo Beach, which is a little beach town by downtown LA. And this was in the Valley, the San Fernando Valley, which is more east. So maybe like an hour and a half away from downtown LA.
1: Okay. So I still want to talk about what, um, so you're graduating high school. Was it because this seed had been planted with your trip in Egypt and your conversations you had, or were you still not sure what you wanted to study and thought this might be, I mean, tell me more about really where did that, as you were thinking about that, I imagine your friends were all getting into schools or planning to do trade or, so tell me a little bit more about kind of Really what What led you, yeah, and what made you say, okay, I think I really want to do this. Yeah, I mean, it sounds
2: crazy to say, but it really—it was a seed. It was a seed that got planted on that trip. Um, But it was God's prompting. I mean, that is what made me want to do it. I I had, my friends were kind of doing all different things. And so I didn't feel like there was a mold I had to fit into. Um, But when I thought about... this trip had happened the summer before my, is that right? Yes, the summer before my junior year of high school, because it was right before 9-11. And I had a whole year to think about it. And I applied by Christmas of my senior year. So, I mean, college at that point didn't even really ever come in to play. So you
1: hadn't even applied to any colleges. No. You hadn't even been... Yeah, this was, for me,
2: it was like, this is the the plan. This is the next thing. This is what I'm supposed to do. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
0: (laughs) So you go through this training and you're talking about the Bible study and Mm self-reflection. And I'm reading some of your notes that you gave us. And you said that um, it took a lot of, this isn't how you worded it, but basically it took a lot for you to go through and gain some confidence and realize that God had created you with valuable and important gifts. Hmm. And it took a really, really long time for you to see that in there. Was this part of that time? Oh,
2: sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think all along, God was weaving this plan together that ends up with me living my life as a pastor. But, and this was one of those, for sure, one of those fundamental chunks of time that he was using. Absolutely. Which
1: I find fascinating because then you didn't come home and think, I'm going to go to religion yes. school. Yes. You yeah. came home like, okay, so yeah. you come home from a wait, year.
0: Let's what, talk about your experience in South Africa. Sure, yeah. So you do the three months and yes. training and then go And then, forward.
2: yeah, they split you into, you start as a group of like 30 and then they split you into teams of 10 and they send us to three different countries. And so I went to South Africa and it was, I mean, it was life changing. I could talk about it for, six days and never how long were you there uh i was in south africa for about three months
0: what was your day-to-day job position
2: right it changed so our team did a lot of traveling around the country and we did everything from builds with habitat for humanity to working um at an aids hospice uh facility to helping with churches or painting playground I mean really you name it and we did it. Okay. And what were the ages that you were in community with? The youngest person in our group was 17 and needed like special permission from her parents and the oldest person in our group was 33 but the majority of us hit between that 18 to 21
0: range. Okay. Did you go through a period, I don't know if three months was long enough, where you came back and you go, all right, I'm, I I'm I came back into capitalism and, yes. oh, and yeah. all this?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. You Absolutely. went through that
0: transition?
2: Sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, two weeks would have been enough. I, I had trouble transitioning back from the trip to Cairo. Um, but yeah, three months is plenty to see. the. And South Africa is an interesting uh, study because it's in many ways a very westernized country and there's a lot of affluence and wealth. And then there's these places that, I mean, so in some ways it mirrors what home looks like just differently because we have this big disparity between the very poor and the very rich. And so, but I remember coming home and for me, the thing that hit the hardest was access to good medical care. Oh, interesting. That, because we'd done a lot of work in hosp- different hospitals. And I mean, the most fundamental thing that happened to me while I was there is I held this little premature baby while it passed away. And I remember thinking to myself, this baby would be alive in America. And um, and so I came home both feeling grateful for what I had and feeling really resentful of it as well. It was very, it was a complicated
0: I can imagine, this makes me think of when we talked with Becca, and Becca talked about, we asked the question of, why does there seem to be so many more special needs? And she's like, because our medical care is so good that we're a lot of these babies are surviving today that weren't surviving 30 years ago. Yes. And yes. you're experiencing that on your trip to South Africa, yes. a difference from one side of the world to the other. Absolutely.
1: Well, and I, uh, after college, I spent a year in the Jesuit Volunteer Corps, oh, which yeah. is a volunteer program in the States. And I lived in the inner city of Houston. And one of our slogans was ruined for life. Yes. Because when you serve in a population that's so devastating, but yet everything else just seems to keep carrying on mm-hmm. and, and you're in it. Yeah. So deeply that, you know, to this day, it was 30 years ago, but ruined for life for sure. So I can imagine same thing. And you were four years younger, because for Jesuit Volunteer Corps, you're a college graduate. And that's why I was so curious about that. Because as a high schooler, yeah, I mean, you're barely out of puberty. And you're experiencing something so intense that I just can imagine the impact that it took for a lifetime for you. Yeah, it
2: was I mean, it was clear that It was the right thing for me. It's not necessarily something like I don't recommend it to every single student. It's a very particular type of person that I think it's a good fit for. And I do really believe fundamentally God needs to be calling them to it because it very well could have done the opposite of what it did. I mean, this experience invigorated my faith. I think in many ways it was the birthplace of where I fell in love with God and where I started to really hear his voice. It was an amazing, positive experience. It very easily could have been the opposite.
0: Do you think, and I I think about people, there's a lot of high school kids that come out of high school and they're just not ready to go to college and they Mm -hmm. end up maybe going into the military or some of them get a job, but they have to have that maturation. Do you feel like this trip was like, I'm not quite ready to go to school, And this seems like a lot of fun. And I, I'm, mm. you know, I'm pastor's kid and I've been on these mission trips. And then you woke up in this six-month period and and it, it really matured you right. to a different point where you come back and you're like, all right, I got to figure out what I'm going right. to do. And then you go to junior college because it, it is curious. You come back and you don't go right into... I'm going to study and be religion. I'm I'm going to study
1: social work. I'm going to do counseling. Yeah.
0: It was like you had to kind of figure out, okay, now that I've seen this.
1: Yes. I just sit with it.
2: I really had to sit with it. I, it, in some ways what you're saying, yes, I think that's true. In other ways, it really, it's hard to describe it. It was not, I wasn't putting college off. It genuinely felt like for me, college wasn't the right fit. At least at that moment in time that I just felt, I felt God saying so strongly, this is the thing you're going to go do. And because I felt that so early, like as a 17-year-old, as a junior, I never planned, not that I would say I'd never ever thought about college, but that age when you start putting in applications and taking the SAT and, although I did end up taking the SAT, but, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I just didn't, I didn't. I wasn't thinking about, I was like, this is where I'm supposed to go and what I'm supposed to do. And then I didn't want to come home. Um, I was, I was ready to say, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Exactly what my dad was worried about. (laughs) I was ready to jump in feet first. Um, But I had these amazing leaders uh, who most youth of the mission bases, they, I mean, they're looking to take anybody who wants to go. But I had this, there was this married couple, uh, Conrad and Bonnie Kusel, and they were, they had mentored me and they were the leaders of my school. And I, you know, I approached Conrad towards the end of the program and said, I'd really like to stay. And he said, okay, you know, why don't you stay and do another, because Youth with a Mission has a bunch of different programs you can do. He said, why don't you stay another six months and do another program? And he said, but at the end of the year, I think you need to go back home. He said, you you'd struck this deal with your parents that this wasn't forever. And I don't feel right about you breaking that and me allowing you to break that. And then in- essentially said to me, like we're giving you a gap year and then you need to go back home. And I was, I mean, I cried the whole drive back to my, from the Los Angeles base back to my house. I just, I didn't want to go home. Right. Um, and so that's hence junior college because my parents basically said, part of the deal was that you were gonna go to school and my mom my mom said to me I don't care what you take she said you don't have to take any real classes but you need to take something you need to um, you need to try college and so junior college was really me just pulling my end of the deal
1: right did you get good grades in junior college mm-hmm.
2: yeah I've always been a pretty good student yes so you know I'm too much of a perfectionist to like fail anything right <laughs> when you're
0: you're you come back you're going to junior college you're kind of walking down that path yeah what and, um, i'm assuming you're babysitting earning a little bit of money living yeah. at home with mom and dad living and at home
2: and, and interning at our church in the youth department working okay. as a paid high, intern paid intern mm-hmm. yeah
0: during that year and a half what is your thoughts like i'm doing this so you kind of probably evolved the Yes. Did you decide at some point, okay, I'm going to go ahead and get the four-year degree? And you, you make a comment in here that um, you didn't really have career dreams. You tended just to stumble into mm-hmm. your calling rather than plan it out.
2: Yes. Yeah. So it's def- ex- exactly right. It started as, okay, like you can't live under mom and dad's roof without going to school and having a job. So, okay, I'll go to school. <laughs> and then um, And then I started to realized I really liked college and I've always liked learning and so I started taking more serious classes. I mean I literally took an underwater basket weaving class in that first quarter. Right. <laughs> it was an actual course that I took. Um and then, you know, I went, Oh, school's not so bad and
1: then I'm just taking more like history and English. And um It's funny though, because the further you get in, the further you get away from. And so, you know, you start to say, okay, if this is where I am, then this is where I am. And you start, yes. Exactly. For me, it
2: felt like, for me, ministry did not seem like a viable career option. Um, Ministry was something you just did as a family, it was something that I grew up doing, (laughs) but it wasn't like it wasn't what I was going to do with my life. And so I started it at junior college thinking, well, maybe if I give my parents like a quarter or a semester, and they see that I hate it, they'll let me go back to a youth with a mission, and and then at the end of that first quarter, it's like, well, maybe I'll take an- that was fun. Maybe I'll take another quarter, and then then pretty soon I'm down that path, thinking, right. okay, now I have to think of a real job, quote unquote, and um, and I actually had a friend, uh, who who said in passing, like, oh. Like, Chelsea will never, she'll never go to school. She'll never finish college, and she'll never go to school outside of the state. Like, it's just not something she's going to do. He didn't mean it in a, he wasn't trying to be derogatory. But when people, when someone says to me, you can't. That just gets my hackles up and is like, oh, I'll show you I can't. And so then I only looked at schools that were out of the state. I was going
1: to ask you what made you look at Seattle and what yep. other schools did you look at. Yes, yeah, so I only looked at schools that were
2: outside of the state. Right. And then at that point, I got serious about junior college and I went, okay, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show this person. And so that's kind of how I stumbled into it. Okay.
0: So what's what's you get you get through junior college, you go to Seattle Pacific University. Yes. mm-hmm. And you have a great junior year there. Yes. Was that your second year or first year? That was my second year there. Second Mm -hmm. year. You live with five girlfriends. Yes, yeah. And you share a shared property with six guy friends. Yes, yeah. And you guys kind of have this great semester. Yes.
2: It was just like when you picture uh, like a college movie, that is what that year felt like. I mean, we had crazy antics and deep, meaningful relationships and... It just all the classes I was taking that year just were so formational and changed me, and it was just kind of this perfect little slice of heaven. Yeah, it was amazing.
0: And you're studying English.
2: I'm studying English, yeah, with an
0: intent to.
2: At that point, who knows? With an (laughs) intent to just with an intent to get a college degree. (laughs) Yeah,
0: so it so you're going through Seattle Pacific, and you're you're getting towards the end of your career there. You're going to graduate. That's when you started saying I probably need to to do something with English.
2: Yeah, the second semester of my senior year, which was my third year, I transferred in as a sophomore. Okay. So my uh, second semester of my senior year is when I actually went. Okay, now I have to figure out what I'm going to do. I really tend to be someone who really lives in the moment, and so it's let's take each experience, and then I'd get to the end towards the end of that experience and go, oh, I should probably think about the next one. Right.
0: So did Casey go to? SPU as well? Or no. no. She's just a high school friend you've been extremely close with yes. through the whole way.
2: Yes. Yeah. Casey and I met our freshman year of high school and we just kind of were sisters from another mister. You know, it was just... And she actually ended up uh, eloping the a week after we graduated high school. Oh my god. I, really? <laughs> I got a letter while I was on my mission and this is such a casey thing to do. And she's like, How's it going? I miss you. I hope Africa's gonna be fun. Because at that point I knew I was going. And then at the very bottom, PS, Steve and I got married. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. So, and you're um, the
0: godmother of her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm the daughter. godmother
2: of her of her four, fourteen year old now. Wow. Well,
0: yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Wonderful.
2: Okay. So
1: then going from college, what did you do next? Mm. So I moved
2: back home and uh, started at Long Beach State, uh, which is a California State University, to get my teaching credential to become a high school English teacher, or so I thought. And is
1: that like a nine-month program, or what is that? It's a a
2: two-and-a-half, is that right? Two-and-a-half, three-year program.
1: Yeah. So after college, you still have to go to another three years? Yes, yeah. Yeah. So did you do all three years?
2: Uh, Almost. I got pretty close. I did two. I did two of the three. Is that
0: a California thing? Or is that because you did not study education in college?
2: Uh, It's a little bit of both. So California does have some pretty strict requirements and not every education major can just like no even if you're an education major you're still looking at like a year and a half two years afterwards to get
0: yeah i I know it's a little difficult my my sister got her teaching she got a um, undergrad in education and taught a year in texas moved to colorado for six months i think or a year ended up in california and had to do some things to get get her teaching credentials there but since she had an education degree and had already taught, it was a much right. faster I think track. she probably
2: just had to pass some exams is my guess and maybe do a little bit of...
0: Yeah, I, it, It's were, we're talking probably the time you were getting that. a... No, it was probably before you were in high school when she was <laughs> out there. Um, it's my older sister.
1: So you're living at home going yes. to this mm-hmm. teacher program. Going to this program, program
2: and for my part-time job, I'm back working at our church as okay. the missions coordinator.
0: Is your oh, dad the still the pastor? Board. He's still the pastor, yeah. So how... What? I don't want to get off that track too much, but it's, you're an intern there (laughs) and then you're working there. It's kind of like, I mean, like you said, the family business, I chuckled when you said that, but that's got to be a unique dynamic.
2: It is. It is. Well, it is and it isn't. So at that church, even when my dad started as the senior pastor, even before him, they have this very long history of whole families working together. So I think my dad joined staff and like the church administrator's wife was working in the You know, I mean, everybody pitches, the whole family pitches in. And my dad has always believed in that. Like, ministry is for is for everybody. Not in a, let's force kids who don't want to do it, to do it, but let's be a whole family that serves together. Which is
1: so funny because just a few minutes ago, you said you never saw yourself yeah. in ministry. And then every time you come home, you end yes. up in ministry yes. <laughs> but, but working yeah. for the church. In, yeah,
0: In that sense, though, if... Because this is why I laugh. You think of it, she didn't look at it as I would look at it. I would look at it as that's a career choice. Yes. She looked at it as no different than the candy business. Or yes. The supermarket yes. that your dad runs, like, all right, I'll go back to yeah. stock on the shelves because yeah. it's convenient right. and my dad yes. likes it. And,
1: exactly. you know, that's and I love done. And I love it. Yes. And I'm not, and I'm not yeah. discounting no, 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 I that, Well, but, that's yeah. what I love. You really love ministry. Yes. You went to South America or South. Africa. Yeah. You're doing ministry. Yes. Yeah. You're back in the church, working part time at the family business, doing ministry. Yep. So whether mm-hmm. or not you saw it, everyone yes. probably sees. Oh, that's probably that's ministry. yes. That's probably well, more of it. That right. Other I people just saw it. it. Yeah. Right. For yes. sure. For sure. Yes. You couldn't.
0: When you come back and you do this, your dad's church at that point. How big was it? How big was the staff? Was it a um, large church? It
2: Mid-size. I mean, for Texas, it was small. <laughs> uh, everything's bigger in Texas. Um, it was, I think, at that point, maybe five, six hundred members, okay. and the staff was like twelve to fifteen people,
0: probably. That's a big staff for. Yeah. I mean, the Presbyterian church. Well, and I'm speaking.
2: counting. We did. We had interns and yeah, yeah. custodial staff and things like that. Um, yeah, and I, I, th- I think you're absolutely right. Everyone at that church would say to me regularly, you are gonna become a pastor. And I would say, No, I'm not. That's not, it's not a life I envisioned for myself. It's not I loved serving the church. I didn't mind the part-time gigs. I liked I liked that church. I, I loved those, right. you know, that congregation. And, right. and it would, you know, it'd be no different than like if Emma Swanson had decided she wanted to. To work at Northwoods while she was doing college, you know, I grew up there. I loved right. it, but I d- I just had no concept of doing it as a career.
1: Okay, but don't you love the irony of the guy friend saying she's never going to finish college? Yes. Or go, oh, yes, I will, and I will gotta stay. And then the whole church going, "Oh, you're totally going to be in ministry. Oh, no, I won't. It's <laughs> true. It's true. I, it's true. <laughs> yeah, but
0: I, I think um, so much of that, just, and I don't think I'm that much different from others is. My dad was like, You should go into business. And that's what my dad did. I was like, That's the last thing I'm going to do. If of you're right. Yes. You know, yes. oh, it's yes. like, My dad's a pastor. Yes. Now I'm going to be over here. Even though you were yes. the unicorn of pastors' yes. kids, I, I still think individually the you want to separate thing. yourself sure. and make your own name at that age. Yes.
2: And, and an interesting dynamic is that congregation, I never had a woman pastor. So it was only ever male. The senior pastor was my dad, and the associates were always male. The youth pastors were always male. Um, in fact, I didn't have a female leader uh, in a professional sense. I had volunteers. But I didn't have a female paid leader until I was sophomore or junior in high school. So I think there was also this maybe subconscious – element of i didn't see it as a viable option for a woman right
0: right it's so interesting i grew up in a presbyterian church and i never thought that church wasn't for women i only know of one at the time only one associate pastor that we had and i didn't remember i was a little kid but the moms a lot like our choir person was a woman but it was volunteer position it was unpaid yes and so I always just thought, you know, church was church and you have a pastor and it could be a woman or a man. I never really thought that's about it. It's a very
1: that. unique thought because I don't think many of us. At yeah. all I, well, I think yeah. it may be unique to
0: Presbyterian too in a sense that I think the Presbyterian church has been more open to women longer than a lot of other denominations.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's true for a lot of mainline denominations. I think that's true. And my dad was always very pro women in ministry. He had women in the pulpit and things that, you know, if he'd went off if we were going on vacation, he would have his friends from seminary who were women come and do some pulpit help. But I was on vacation. Right. So, so I didn't see didn't that. So didn't see it as yes. an example. Yes. So it was, it, and it wasn't this, it, it's not like I felt this huge, oh, you aren't allowed here. Because I definitely sure. had a seat at the table. But it
1: didn't seem like a career path for for me absolutely okay well let's kind of move forward then a little bit what from being in the education program what where did you go from there and what ended you uh kind of catapulted you into seminary okay so um i at towards the end
2: of that program realized it wasn't a good fit and i wasn't going to teach i was still wasn't totally sure what i wanted to do But I had all this experience. Like you said, it's ironic. I had all this experience on my resume of working in churches or in a church. And so I started sending out my resume for youth director positions. Um, And there was this Lutheran congregation um, just down the street from where I grew up. And they hired me. Uh, It was a tiny church. When I started, there was... Four kids in the youth program. It's funny we're talking about this just this morning in Sunday school. I was telling the I kids heard the story. story yeah, there was four kids in the youth program, and three of them were triplets. So there was oh two families goodness. in the youth program. There was about fifty members. Well, there was a hundred members, but there was like fifty people that were showing up regularly, ish. Um, and they just had me, got me started. The only full-time paid staff members at that church was the senior pastor and me. You were full-time for four youth. youth Because they wanted to build a youth. They went, okay, if we're going to... If we build it, they
1: will come. Yes,
2: yeah. And so I started... I mean, I'd never been the person in charge before. I'd always ever interned. How old are you roughly? 24, 25, something like that. And 24. And um, through... A very long story. Um, The senior pastor ended up leaving after I'd been there about a year. And the church didn't have enough money to hire an interim. And I was the only other full-time paid staff member. So for the summer, I became the senior pastor. Stop it. (laughs) So I preached regularly. I... Did hospital visits. I met with the board. Don't you I, love how church work <laughs> happens?
1: If you're on staff, you better be ready for anything because yes, yeah. we need you up at first and exactly. you up <laughs> yep. Oh, I love it.
2: And, uh, and the, the church had a school, a, a preschool through eighth grade that was attached to it, which was booming. And one of the teachers pulled me aside one day. And part of my responsibilities were to run chapel for the school. And she pulled me aside and she said, Chelsea, um, I just, w- I wanted to tell you something. She said, I'm a Catholic woman. I do not believe that women should be allowed to preach. I do not believe that women should be in ministry. And I'm telling you right now, if you became a pastor, I would leave Catholicism and join your church. Oh. And that was the first time I went, maybe I have giftings in this area. <laughs> yeah it was a really powerful it was a very powerful conversation for me and i started to go maybe i should start thinking if i'm gonna i'm doing it anyway right now maybe i should get some training i'm (laughs) the head pastor
0: (laughs) (laughs) so kind of what's what's step forward a little bit from there you go to seminary where do you go
2: to i go back to seattle pacific university
0: okay at first yeah at yeah. first, so, so I did my
1: first. So it was a three-year process, and I did the first two years in Seattle. Have and you then, ever added up how many years altogether you've been in random schools? Because yeah, well, never, never all of them, but I did seven
2: years total in Seattle. Okay, that's <laughs>
0: something. Yeah. And then where did you do the last year?
2: Fuller Theological Seminary in, back in LA in Pasadena. Okay. And how come you did that? Like, what's my seminary? raised the tuition prices, it was practical it was practicality. Oh, okay. And I started to look at my student loan debt and went, I'm gonna have six figures of debt if I don't finish this somewhere more affordable so I moved back to California I moved back in with my
1: parents I was this constantly is like yo-yoing. a horror story for moms <laughs> like me whose college kids are getting ready you're moving back in oh, oh yeah. hello again welcome <laughs> to 2020 That's this it. is the story
0: yeah. this, is, this, is, this is where you, you downsize now you're go ahead and sell a house and go Jack
1: don't listen to this <laughs> it's true Jack
0: we don't have room maybe you can put your it's closed.
1: Closed.
2: it's, it's closed. true closed. I was I mean really from graduating high school I was yo-yoing it was like three years out a year back home, three years out, a year back home. I mean, it was constantly. I would love
0: to hear the conversations of your mom and dad sitting in the living room at night. She's coming back. I just <laughs> talked to her today.
2: You know what's hilarious is more often than not it was their idea. Like more oh, often, no, I, than,
0: no, yeah. yeah. So they're at the dinner table. I talked to Chelsea today, and I, I told her she could move back to save some money. What? You know,
1: I thought the, we were empty my my for guess is this the conversation
2: time. went more like, oh my god, if we don't tell our daughter to move back home. She's gonna be homeless because of all of her student debt. (laughs) Oh my gosh, okay, that's great. So that's
1: what propelled you back home to finish at Fuller Seminary. Yes, yes. With your master's? In theology. In theology. Yes.
2: Yeah. And that's where I met my husband. I was just going to say, did you meet any
1: fun people there? I did. Yes. Yeah.
2: It ended up being, it was all, it was a windy path, but it was God ordained because if I'd finished in Seattle, I'd probably be working in Seattle. I mean, I wouldn't have come back home. So did you
0: get into a church in California then before you moved to Texas?
2: Yes. So I worked at back at my dad's church through seminary through that last year of seminary and then um was approached by their session and they said listen we want we've invested in you you've invested in us we would like you to become an assistant pastor here so that's actually the congregation that ordained me and i worked there before i was here
1: okay so you now are an ordained pastor yes with your Master's of Theology. Mm-hmm. And is your husband ordained? Uh, no, no. But he is his Master's of Theology yep. as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay.
0: You work there <laughs> in the church uh-huh. with your dad. Yeah. You're used to it.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. And yeah.
0: then you decide you need to move. How did this go?
2: Sort of. So uh, when my husband and I were dating, when we were engaged, we started having conversations about how Southern California – wasn't going to work for us permanently. Um, Financially, it wasn't going to work for us. And also, we weren't totally sure it's where we wanted to raise kids. And so we just started spitballing places. And um, about a year before I moved here, a different congregation in the Houston area had approached me to apply for a job, which hadn't really ended up working out. But we'd started thinking about Texas, and then Pastor Paul gave me a call one day on a random Wednesday as I was driving to youth group and said, listen, I've got this job opening I think you should apply for. And that's sort of what led me here.
0: Now, you you say in here, and I I know from Paul and his sermons and that, that your your dad's family was always really close. So you were Mm -hmm. close with Pastor Paul and with his family, Mm -hmm. your cousins and all that. Mm -hmm. So that phone call wasn't like, I don't know. Pastor Paul is calling or my Uncle Paul is calling me. This is weird. (laughs) It it was like, okay, this kind of makes some sense.
2: Yeah, I mean, the job at the time, it was... The job didn't necessarily make sense. The move, it was a good catapult to moving. There was a sense that I would be going from assistant pastor, and I was overseeing children through young adults at at that point, to becoming youth director. Um, And so there was... Some things to sift through, but ultimately, kind of like with Youth of the Mission, it felt like this is where we're supposed to go next. All so
1: right. This is where I, am. I will say I was so sad you didn't come a few years earlier. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, came you in. It. Tw- I know you came <laughs> in twenty. Uh, Seventeen or twenty eighteen? Okay, yeah. My last one left twenty seventeen. Oh, so yeah. we've heard nothing but beautiful oh, things about you, you and our youth program. So when you uh, agreed to come to Houston and work as the youth director, were you hoping to have uh, preaching opportunities? What w- what yeah. what is kind of your hope of? Definitely, I mean, I do love preaching,
2: um, and and I, some of those things Paul and I had talked about, and and Marie, and you know the committees and stuff. Uh, we talked about preaching for sure. But for me, um, as far as what my hope was, I didn't totally know. You know, I, I knew like, like the theme of my life. I knew that it was the right next step. And I knew that working with these kids would be a great opportunity. And that, you know, I was hoping there would be a chance to kind of spread my wings into some other things. Uh, but it wasn't it something wasn't I consciously went, okay, what are going to be my bullet point goals? Although I feel like as I'm getting older and now that I have a kid, I'm starting to be a little bit more like, okay, we can't just keep doing this last minute, (laughs) figuring it out. Sure. But yeah, so I do not know that I consciously had thought it through.
1: Well, and I will say, honestly, I didn't even know you were ordained pastor probably, probably until just recently, although I have heard you preach now, I believe three times and Girl, you got it. I mean, <laughs> oh, when you, you. preach, I, the way you deliver, I love how you, when you're preaching and you refer to the church as church. As a pronoun, yeah. I, I just love your message. Mm-hmm. I think you're very bubbly. I've really enjoyed listening to the children's message that you do. And and that's great because you are our youth director, but you do our children's uh, message during the Sunday service. Yes. And you're, you're so relatable. Thank I've you. seen you relate now to the children, to the youth for sure, and the way you uh, preach to the entire congregation. Thank very, you. Very, very open and very relatable Thank along you. all generations.
2: Thank you. And I think that comes a lot from... My dad's philosophy, which was there was no silo at his church. So the way that he led was you may be the adult pastor but we may have a need in the children's department or you may be the children's director but that doesn't mean you shouldn't be you know preaching every once in a while. He really believed that that God called a staff
1: to do work together and you have some expertise in a particular area but you're called to the whole church. Oh, I love it. Well, and back even more so with not only you're a phenomenal preacher, but you really are a great speaker. So uh, I read here in your notes. Tell us real quick. You were doing speeches back in yes. your elementary days and <laughs> yes. worked with a speech.
2: Yes, a coach. Yes, A speaker coach. So I don't know if you have heard of like that show, Dance Moms. Yes. Okay. So,
0: <laughs> so there were speech moms. <laughs>
2: yes. Stop or in it. my case, speech dads. Um, so oh, when no. I was in elementary school, um, our our local elementary school at one year when I was in second grade had decided to have a speech contest and they got all the elementary schools in the district to like first you would do your speech for your class and then the teacher would pick a kid to do it for their school and then the school would pick a representative to go to the district it was the first time they tried it and I got picked and I got picked to go to the district and my dad was like she's got a gift. We can, it was like, you know, this is before you're putting kids on YouTube. So it was like, we can monetize this. I'm sure of it. And so, <laughs>
0: Fast forward to, to, to right after high school. and, yeah. and, and went in South and, Africa.
1: Yes. and <laughs> <laughs>
2: wife, yeah. Yes, exactly. Oh. So, and so they, you know, they were like, this is, this is great. And my dad had, he, he preaching is not his favorite aspect of the job. And so he had a speech coach that would work with him in his presentation so that his spe- his speeches, his sermons would be, you know, have better presence. And so he was like, this is, she's going to be your coach, Mrs. Gill. And this is, this is how we're going to do it. And so then every year, because it became annual, every year they'd sign me up. And What's was. so funny is
0: Lance <laughs> and Greg go to Northland Christian School and the, I don't know when it started, but their debate program is like this big deal. And I joke around about it in our family a little bit. But there is kids that will go there on the national U.S. national debate, high school debate team from Northland, this little tiny school, and they go compete all over the world. And one of the there's I think there's two girls in it right now. Um, But, yeah, it's. It's interesting because, and because Greg goes, "What are you going to do with debate anyway?" Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like what's, what's the point of all this? And, and so then you got to explain it to him because you know what? What good is playing the viola or soccer? Yes. You know? Yeah.
2: It's, well, and every I mean every piece of it gets used because there are for sure things like one of the things that Mrs. Gill taught me was like to stand without fidgeting, and I'm a big fidgeter. I mean, if you watch me in church. Right up until I get up to the podium, I am, you know, moving or swaying back and forth. I'm just always fidgeting. But I still have that in my head that when I get up there, I don't fidget. You know, and that it helps in – so, yeah, all I – actually, that stuff I use all the time. Absolutely. With how to, and
1: also it helps that I –
2: I have no fear of public speaking because I had to do it
1: so much. Absolutely. (laughs) That's like Toastmasters for like elementary schools. I mean it's a phenomenal skill. Well
2: and I did it all the way through I did it through junior high. Wow. I convinced my dad I didn't I think need
0: to we keep need going. to go to Toastmasters. <laughs> we need to
1: go to
2: Podcast Masters. <laughs> Mrs. Gill's not alive anymore. I'd give her you her number, but <laughs> yeah.
0: a couple oh things gosh. here and, and yeah, reach sure. out. We reach out to some of the people you gave us, and um, Paul gave us some things and he mentioned as well as Casey. So I want to bring it up and You must be just a huge fan of Little House on the Prairie. (laughs) Do you want to expand on that that story? Yes,
2: so uh, I do. I love Little House on the Prairie. And like I said, I had a big imagination. And uh, every summer, my dad had worked it into his contract that we'd get the month of August off. And we would go and spend the summers in Palm Springs. Or we'd spend the month of August in Palm Springs. And our house had this... Had no backyard. It's just, it's desert. So it's just cactus back there. And so one very fateful day, I I must have been like eight or nine. I, I decided I wanted to play Little House on the Prairie. So I put on my big prairie skirt and the apron. And I'm twirling around in the backyard, like totally up in my head. And I, twirl right into a cactus oh <laughs>
0: okay. my goodness that's a story i wasn't expecting no oh, that's I'm not ex- the one he's talking I'm about actually, where you you had videotapes that said little house oh. on the Prairie," <laughs> and maybe there wasn't little house in the prairie on the tape oh
2: that story yes okay so my parents were very strict about con like what we were allowed to watch and what we weren't allowed to watch and dawson's creek was a big deal when i was in junior high and i wasn't gonna miss it um, and when I was in high school and so, um,
0: is that kind of, I've never seen the show. Is it kind of like a teenage soap? Opera yes, yes it is exactly a teenage yes.
2: soap. It's like what Riverdale or I'm trying to think of other ones that are around 90210, okay. things like that. And, um, you know, it had for my parents, it had too much explicit Granted, They never saw a single episode themselves, but fine, whatever. <laughs> so, so Casey used to, her parents didn't care. So Casey used to tape on VHS tapes each week's episode, and then she'd write on the tape Little House on the Prairie, (laughs) and then she'd deliver it to me at school, and then I would wait either until a babysitting gig or my parents went out of the house or something, and then I'd watch that week, and then I'd get her the tape back. Well, years and years and years later, I'm in Seattle, and I get a phone call from my dad, and he goes, I was going through our old tapes. I was figuring out what was it like a home video. I was going to watch this episode of Little House on the Prairie, and guess what was on it? So that is so, apparently have many little house
1: of the prairie right? stories. I was, yes. when you have yeah, more than one. When I said, like, "Oh, well, do tell," um, real quick, and um, uh, this is a real big part of your story, and it's a serious part of your sure. story. But I know that you and Paul did go through some infertility yeah. and suffered a miscarriage yes, before yes. you had your sweet Nathaniel. Yes. Um, is there anything you want to share about yeah. that, or sure, yeah, touch upon? Yeah, I think I think what's interesting
2: is, whereas career-wise, I never had any idea of what I wanted to do, um, I always knew from the time I was little that I wanted to be a mom, and just assumed it would happen. Right. Um, I always thought the hard part would be finding the dad, you know? <laughs> and it, because Paul and I met a little later in life, I was convinced, well, I won't ever have a spouse, but... When we got married and and we got pregnant pretty quickly after that, you know, after we got married and losing that baby really tested my is, is God faithful feeling and that feeling of if he is faithful, like why, not why would this happen to me, but why isn't he laying out the plan? I fine God take us through this valley but can you show me the path out of it or can you tell me how long and it was just this big silence of I don't know how long this will take or if it will even happen and then you know I mean like every every human on the planet <laughs> the second we stopped trying the second we, we gave it up the second I loosened my grip a little on the dream right. was when we got the biggest surprise of our lives. So I I do, I remember, um, uh, (laughs) I had been feeling really poorly and I was convinced that I was sick or something was happening and, and, uh, I was going to, we we had this fertility doctor and she'd said, I'm going to start you on a medication, kind of help, help ovulate. But you have to, we have to know you're not pregnant before you start it. And so I said to to my husband one morning, he's getting up early to go to work. And I said, I'm just going to take a pregnancy. I mean, I have, she said, I have to anyway. I was like, I'm not pregnant. And he's like, well, do you want me to hang back? And I was like, no, 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 it's fine. Go. And so he gets in the car. I take the test and it's positive. Come back home. <laughs> and I get on the phone, I get on the phone and I I you know, he I mean he's maybe 20 minutes away or something and I said, "Paul, <laughs> I'm pregnant." And he goes, "I oh, knew stop. it." <laughs> oh. And it was yeah, it was this and the best. I mean, and we named Nathaniel, Nathaniel because partially because it's after Paul's dear friend and mentor, but partially because the name means God gave him. And we really felt like he's he's the best gift.
1: Wonderful. That's awesome. Yes, yeah. that's a beautiful story. Thank you. And he's 9 months old now. 10. 10. Mm-hmm. Well, I will say that um, I'm Facebook friends with you and one thing you do so well and I see it come through is your love of being a mother as well as being a wife. But I love when you and I don't know if this is just random or if you have your own little schedule, but you do these random grateful posts. Yeah. yeah. And more um, you say like I don't even know if it's the same number every time, but, um, but you'll say things I'm grateful for. And it's all those little bitty, simple in between huge moment times. Yes. And I was wondering, did that come out of your journey of, of becoming a mom or was that something you've had all along?
2: No, actually I can't take credit for it. So I'll try not to get a little emotional, but, um, a dear friend of mine that I met when I was with youth in youth with a mission, Carice, uh, she, uh, passed away of cancer, uh, a few years ago and she always did these lists. Um, and she, you know, I'd text her or call her and ask her how chemo was going or how things were going. And she'd, the thing that kept her going was she would just try to find at least, she always said at least three things, you know, that she could be grateful for. And sometimes it was just, I, I'm grateful for popcorn, you know? And, uh, when she started getting really sick, she said, you just keep finding the gratitude, keep finding the gratitude. And so every time I, every time I post them, I think about her and it's kind of my, little homage to what a wonderful woman she was and what a wonderful friend she was. And so that's, that's beautiful.
1: If you girl. don't mind, I would actually Please. love to read one of yours because sure. I love that she was an inspiration and continues to be a part of that. Sure. But this was from January 11th and it just says things I'm grateful for. Number one, big cozy duvet blanket is my favorite number two advil <laughs> number three a husband who i have so much fun with who is my best friend number four tiffany Janasov, janisov janisov <laughs> friend of mine and her important thoughts on all things bravo <laughs> number five boogie wipes number six a big pot of stew number seven new top chef episodes and number, oh, number eight, that my sweet, fussy, teething boy still offers both smiles and snuggles in abundance. Number nine, the smell of my grapefruit candle. And number 10, hair days. And <laughs> I just love that. I love that you recognize the small things because yeah. sometimes when you go through valleys, like you say, sure. we, we don't even, like Anne-Marie Sermon said today, we don't know what we're missing because we're not looking for yes. it. So yes. I just wanted to say that Thank I think that's you. a beautiful practice you Thank have. Thank you.
0: I want to get into some not-so-serious things. Please, let's. Um, <laughs> any insight on the Tom Cruise poster that used to hang in your bedroom?
2: <laughs> Is Do that you, a Casey or a Paul? That's giving. a Casey. I didn't know if you, maybe you had
0: one in your room now.
2: Yes. So I was I was legitimately obsessed with Tom Cruise, probably from like the age of eight or nine until he jumped on the couch with Oprah. Okay. <laughs> and so, yes, I had, I had more than one Tom Cruise poster in my bedroom. Uh, I got I got them regularly for Christmas. <laughs> okay, so
0: that was supported by others.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I feel like my parents were like, "Well, drug addiction, Tom Cruise addiction, we'll take
0: it." <laughs> <laughs> and then you have quite the um, knowledge of hip hop lyrics.
2: <laughs> I yes, I so whereas my parents were very strict about. Uh, what I could watch they did not care at all about what I could listen to
0: that is so funny
2: I don't know if they thought like it's music all music is good so I probably was listening to like Biggie and Tupac and Snoop before I should have
1: been that is so funny you know my rule in the house with music was if you can't sing me the song at the dinner table I don't think you should be listening to it so that was my rule so we didn't yes. hear a lot of Tupac at the, yes. at the dinner yes. table Yeah. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. That's great. Well, and it says here, which is so funny because I'm the same and nobody believes me, that you are an introvert. Yes. Yes. Actually, when I told Norma, she (laughs) told me about you
2: (laughs) (laughs) when I first started
0: working. I think it depends on your definition of introvert and extrovert because Abby Smith, who we just did a podcast with, um, said that she was an introvert, but she had extrovert in her. Um, her definition, she didn't really define it, but I think it was different The what I've always been told is an introvert is somebody that has to be, have time to themselves to gain, you get gain,
1: energized by being, being alone, alone. Yes. and an
0: extrovert is someone that needs to be in a group yes. or be get out because remote. that's where they get energy from.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So I introvert, uh, yes, I am an introvert. <laughs> I need by myself time, which hasn't happened in
1: 10 months <laughs> and it won't for the next. How many years, Mike? Lots.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> you need to get yes. with Pam because Pam's probably suffers that more than anything. Where she, being a stay-at-home mom, yeah. she really struggled with this. I never really got. She, she had a little bit of a career before we met, and but then we had kids. And being home with the kids, she was like, "I, I'm not getting any. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't even get that thirty-minute drive by myself anymore." Yeah. And yeah. Um, I think it was a little tough. Um, one of the other things is you have a hidden skill. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> of picking out the bad seed in any movie as soon as that person shows up on screen. Oh.
2: <laughs> yes. Well, okay. To be fair, Casey, I know that's a Casey one. Yes. Casey is horrible at paying attention to movies. So I would argue that she is just deficient. Is all. <laughs> but yes, I, I, it drives her crazy that usually I can tell, oh, this is who the murderer is, or this is the... But I'm mostly just paying attention to the story. It's not... it's <laughs> Okay.
0: Well, you know, one of the things I always like to do is to kind of summarize some of the things that people give us on here. And one thing that that both Paul and Casey say is how nurturing you are, Aww. how loyal you are. Um, Casey goes in about you being the godmother to her daughter, and, and it's some really good... Um, perspective of who you are. Mm. Uh, I think a lot of people know you and know your energy and your ability to preach and that you're part of the Nazarian family and and all that. So that's that's what I see. But right. I think today we've gotten into a lot of things that I think a lot of people don't know. Sure. You know, your on your curvy road yes. to where you're at today in our yes. church and, yeah. and what you do for for a living. But also just the the youth with a mission program Mm -hmm. and that was a unique thing and then a little bit of uh you know always working at your your dance church yeah Um, yeah i think that's pretty interesting too so i have learned a lot and i appreciate you being open with us today it's been a lot of fun
1: it's been so fun, too, because since I was on staff for nine years, again, you came not only after I was not on staff but after my kids were out of youth, and I'd always hear these great stories about you and I was bummed I didn't get to kind yeah. of know a little bit. Yes. so I've enjoyed seeing you like I said in our church community, but really hearing a little bit more about your history and what some of your passions are and Um, some hopes that that you you have as you're moving forward and hearing about Nathaniel. Thank you so much for being so open with us. It's so much fun hearing all of these. Well, thank you guys for having me. This was fun.
0: Thanks for listening to More to My Story podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review us on your podcast service. And please also share us with your friends and family. You can find more about More to My Story podcast on our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages.